See, I can't stand guys like that. Like his personality. Well, just being positive. Too, that's too positive. <laughs> Who is that? That's not real life. Who's that? The owner or whoever let this guy oh. do it. Because like the guy in line was had his food and he's like, did you get the cheesesteak? Yeah, it's going to blow your mind, man. I'm like, <laughs> you never had anything like this. Well, People I mean, are saying that. You're They've not going to really have a like successful this. restaurant. If you say, did you get the cheesesteak? It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. It'll be all right. You might not like it, but you, you probably will. <laughs> it doesn't really sell food very well. I agree. You I, should I not understand. open a restaurant. I understand. <laughs> you need those people. I'm just not that. What's people. that restaurant? Is it like um, where they're really intentionally rude to you? Yeah, I don't know, but I've always wanted it to go. Right. I did Is it go Dick to slash Resort? Something like that? I went to one in San Antonio. They like bring your drink and just spilled it all over the table <laughs> and everything. Yeah. Get your like, rolls all soggy. But kids can't go. They had like balloons in the shapes of things. So sure. Yeah. Bad. But yeah. They do they have you wear the hats and write bad things on your hats? They would for some. We didn't do that yet. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, I've I've seen pictures and like they write really profane things. Oh really? Okay. And they just treat you like garbage. Like, are you are you ready to order? You know, and just they don't listen to you. That'd They'll be come your back. perfect restaurant to work it, at. Dude. That would be the best. <laughs> I'd love every second of that. Tim's place. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Ask your family to come see you at work so you can <laughs> yeah. say when you're But yeah, the oxen plot or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's literally doing this row and he's keeping his eye on this row mm-hmm. so that it's equidistant to the row right. he just did. Right. Eventually, right. down you know, twenty four hours right. later. He has a field plowed, right? But he's not looking at the whole field. He's right. just looking at this row, and he's right. plotting each mm-hmm. yeah, step. Jesus said, "Right, if you take the plow and you're looking backwards all the time, you're not worthy to follow me." Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's good to be with you. Thank you for joining us this week as we uh, have another conversation together around the table. Uh, Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, Together we want to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, with me today are as our usual hosts and guests, uh, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, Scott Slater, family pastor here, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor here at the church, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor at MNBC. Um, today, this week, we want to continue through our series as we've been walking through the letters, the screw tape letters. Uh, we've been reading the book and uh, walking through some of the themes and one of the, some of the things that C.S. Lewis, who wrote the screw tape letters, uh, what he's trying to teach us about what the Christian life looks like from the uh, angle of what uh, um, perhaps what a, what a demon uh, might see. And it's very enlightening, uh, gives a, a very helpful and, and kind of a refreshing uh, perspective upon the Christian life um, in a way that we, we usually don't think about it. Uh, so this week we want to look at letters 13 and 14. So if you're able to and you'd like to read them, I'd encourage you to. They don't take very long, and you can probably find them for uh, free to listen to online if you'd rather do that instead of actually uh, reading reading the letters. Uh, letter 13 is one in which it appears the patient, the man that we've been following through uh, with him, he actually now has come to a point where he's been a Christian, he's been... Um, walking the Christian walk, but he's also been uh, backsliding to a certain degree. He's been uh, going astray in certain ways, 
But now in letter 13, he seems to have uh, come back. Uh, in fact, uh, Scro- Screwtape writes to Wormwood and says, this actually amounts to a second conversion. And he says, and probably on a deeper level than the first. So what he's saying is, is this is actually more profound what he's, uh, the way he's thinking, the way he's now approaching the Christian life. He's approaching it with, with a more mature perspective than he did at the very beginning. Um, of, of his of his Christian life, and he points out that what actually happened here, and and how this guy um, has come back to the Christian faith in a much stronger way than he was before, is in a very interesting way. He didn't go to a really uh, powerful church service. He didn't go to um, so, watch something online or you know or go to have some powerful conversation. What he did was he read a book that he likes. And he took a walk to a place that he enjoys. And it's interesting that Screwtape writes that this is really dangerous. He says, this is actually one of your blunders, Wormwood, that you let this guy enjoy a book and take a walk um, to, to just in a, in a way that he really enjoys it and not because he wants to be applauded by his friends around him. He tells him that you were that you allowed him to uh, take part in positive pleasures and real and uh, and enjoy these things. And one of the things he says here, he says the characteristic of pains and pleasures is that they are unmistakably real, and therefore, as far as they go, give the man who feels them a touchstone of reality. A screw tape points out that when we experience something really pleasurable or really painful, when it's something really is that way, it helps us to shake off imaginary distresses. Because sometimes, uh, particularly if we're caught up, I think, in our society today in, in an entertainment culture, if we're caught up in entertainment, we can become distressed and feel pleasures or pains that are, in, to a large degree, really not they're imaginary. And what he says is whenever real life hits, whenever you really enjoy something or you really experience deep pain, then that, then reality starts to sink in. And I think it's kind of interesting that the demons would, would rather to tempt us and lead us astray through imaginary ways. One of the things he says here, he says, but you are trying to damn your patient by the world. That is by palming off vanity, bustle, irony, and expensive tedium as pleasures. How can you have failed to see that a real pleasure was the last thing you ought to have let him meet? Uh, guys, what do you think about this? That The fact that he highlights that one of the ways that this guy's faith goes deeper is not by some cataclysmic event, but it's by simply taking a walk and reading a book. What do you think about that? Um, how do we understand that? How do we interpret what Lewis is trying to say to us um, in this part of the book? I think, uh, well, we see like in Ecclesiastes, when the writer of Ecclesiastes would go through all these things, that we see the good and the bad of life. Mm. And we, God is, I always say this at, at funerals that I do, you know, that God is very honest with us in Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die. Like, right. it doesn't hide these things. There's a time you're going to laugh, there's mm. a time you're going to mourn, right? There's these different balances. And um, that's kind of, I think, what's coming out here of saying, uh, I can't remember how it was said, but it was like during very difficult times or just very ordinary good, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a good thing is what shakes people up and they start to... Mm get rid of the distresses that are even yep. imaginary. 
And that is, that is definitely true. And you might even feel it this way, like <clears throat> when you get to get away from the world, um, your stresses of life, maybe it's vacation or whatever it is, and you just kind of get to get away and do whatever you do. Like you go hiking or you go to a beach or I don't know, whatever people do right, on vacation that, where it's not, it's not a competition. It's not a challenge. It's not like this daily grind. It's just, you'll notice how, um, a lot of times it takes a little bit to get to that point almost. Right. And I think you're shaking off this, what's being talked about here. Mm-hmm. And you just start to be thankful for, for life and the simple pleasures of life. Right. And the simple things that God blesses us, blesses us with. And it is interesting how that can draw us closer closer to God, how God will use that in our lives mm. just to calm down. Or, mm. or maybe it's as simple as, you know, I've known of some couples, they just go for a walk in the evening mm-hmm. in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they just go for a walk, and they look forward to that time. It's mm-hmm. relaxing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no no counseling session going on. There's no nothing like that. It's just we're just going for a walk and enjoying it. It's nice outside, and that's what we do, mm-hmm. you know, and how that can be refreshing mm-hmm. even to even to the soul mm. yeah. in those I, moments. Yeah, I think there's maybe two different things that I... I'm thinking of, like, as you're going through this part of uh, letter 13, uh, is that, I mean, the ability to get away, especially in today's world. I mean, he, he's writing this in a different age almost mm-hmm. compared to where we are now. But just getting somewhere that it's quiet and you're not hearing these constant voices mm-hmm. that, are, that are coming into your head and you're able to actually just think about things, reflect on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times our world is so loud, your pocket is always buzzing with a notification you know, mm-hmm. there's always something new on TV or on the radio or something, but getting away, mm-hmm. getting quiet to really be by yourself in your mind can do something to you. Mm-hmm. I also think of like <clears throat> some some of what he's saying, like it could definitely be used in a negative way to kind of be like the big <clears throat> thing that happens and not like a simple ordinary thing, but is I think of youth camp. Like one of the things that I think is makes youth camp effective in kids' lives in terms of like helping them grow is it gets them away from the world mm-hmm. that they're living in and it lets them focus on just on something else right there. It gets them kind of quiet. Um, and I mean, I really, that's one of the things I appreciate about the way that we do youth camp is we keep it pretty basic, pretty mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. We don't really go over the top in terms of like leading kids like to like an emotional decision or something like all we really do is we kind of get them away from the world for a week. Mm-hmm. We try to get them in the Bible. And right. we, we we worship together every night. We don't even provide food. Well, actually, <laughs> right. we do. We provide oh. like oh. five star food, <laughs> Thanksgiving okay. dinners, right. man. Oh. <laughs> um, so, but I, I just kind of see that as like that's almost kind of how we approach mm-hmm. camp in that right. sense is get them away from everything in their life that's kind of distracting them mm-hmm. and point them toward th- towards things that are actually truly enjoyable. Mm. Hanging out together, yeah. spending time, going fishing in the morning. Mm. You know, singing songs to the Lord together. Mm. It's a, I kind of see that happening here. Yeah. That might not be exactly what he's talking about, no. but that's what I thought of. I think that one of the things it does highlight is that um, entertainment and distractions do not directly correlate to real pleasure. Um, and also, the things that we think about as painful are actually just inconveniences. They're not real pain. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you want to know... <laughs> Like um, you mentioned Ecclesiastes, and the writer of Ecclesiastes says that you should enjoy your labor, 
enjoy your family, enjoy the gifts God gives to you every day, like food and drink. Um, and then on the other hand, be ready for the real sorrows that are going to happen. Like you're approaching death. You're, you are mortal. Mm -hmm. And, um, let's be real about that. And one of the things that happens is, is those things start to shake us to, to what is real and not just what's in front of us on the screen. Even, mm -hmm. um, there's a screen world and then there's the real world. And so one of the things that this does is it shakes us, um, it gets us back to reality. And uh, that's one of the wonderful things about the gospel is it's real. It's a historical event. The gospel isn't a philosophy. It, it's a historical event, and it's a person who is real and who has come in time and space. Um, secondly, he also then points out, and he says that, goes on to the enemy, God. He says here in letter 13, he says, um, he says, you know, we want to, uh, detach the, the, the patient or we want to detach people from God. And he says, and, and eventually he says, and you want to detach the person from himself. He says, eventually, of course, I know that the enemy also wants to detach men from themselves, but in a different way. Remember always that he, and he's talking about God, he really likes the little vermin and sets an absurd value on the distinctness of every one of them. When he talks about their losing their selves, he only means abandoning the clamor of self-will. Once they have done that, he really gives them back all their personality and boasts, I am afraid sincerely, that when they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. Hmm. It really seems like entering into this Christian freedom hmm. realm, you know, hmm. and I think even as we... It's interesting, right? Because this guy, this patient, uh, is saved and then has these struggles that we see. Mm. But as he seems to be maturing, some in his faith, mm -hmm. that's when the freedom starts to come in. And I really think that's true. And that ebb and flows in our life, maybe to some extent, through our whole walk with the Lord. But as mm -hmm. we mature, I think, is when we start to understand the freedom mm. that we have in Christ to where we can enjoy those things, mm. you know? So, um, you know, there's, there's some people who just can't enjoy the things that God has given us to enjoy because they feel guilty. For right. It. It's not, this can't be Christian if I'm having fun or right. something, you know, just right. kind of along those lines or <laughs> right. I can't go on vacation. Right. I would never do that. I should right. give that money to this or that or something. Right. And, um, but there's a freedom that God gives us where we can start to have peace and, and peaceful, peaceful moments. Mm. And I know that that can be hard because, um, I feel like that's something that I really struggle with. It's hard for me to calm down. You know, uh, my wife just told me last night I analyze stuff too much. Just all, and it's constant though. I'm always analyzing things and trying to figure out, you know, it, it how to do things better or, or whatever it may be. And it feels like there's very few things in my life that are just completely like distraction free, not analyzing, just enjoying it. <laughs> like one thing I would say that sometimes a movie to me, is enjoyable because I'm not analyzing it. Now, sometimes I'm analyzing the movie the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But there are some times where I don't, and it's just just enjoying it, mm. right? Just enjoying just enjoying the movie, and that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong mm. with that in that moment, and it's even a good thing, I think, from God. But it, I don't know, it seems like it takes work to even get to that point, mm. or like this realization, like it's, it's okay to stop, you know, with life, mm -hmm. right. chores, work, just life in general. Um, but I do think that's something that comes with, with maturity, um, mm -hmm. in our walk with the Lord to get to there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's something we're always going to battle. Right. 
Right. At least I do. Right. Maybe you guys don't. Right. No, I think we all do. I was going to make a joke, just but you. I couldn't think of one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think Makes I, sense. I think what you're saying is true. I mean, and it's a mark of maturity, I think, because the mature person has maybe been trying to do it long enough to where they realize that all of this worry and all this toil is not making their life better. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just making it more toilsome. Mm-hmm. And so just taking a break just to relax, mm-hmm. you know, just to not take life so seriously. Well, just being know? comfortable in your own skin, I think, is a big thing. I realize lately like more and more of how probably uncomfortable I am in my own skin and thinking other people can't like me if they know me because maybe I can't. But the gospel solves that problem, right? And that's why you need to be reminded of the gospel to say Christ loves you in that. He saved he saved you from you mm-hmm. and your you know your and um but you have to realize that too at times mm-hmm. I think in your in your own life in order to get to get comfortable, right? So you're trying to, I'm not even saying it's necessarily coming from a bad place, but trying to make people happy. Mm. You know, like, I, I want to do this to make them happy. I want to do this to make them happy and them happy. And so mm. you're doing this and you're always trying to do things all the all the time, but it's to make people happy. And I don't know if that's a good reason, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, to get to the point to where you're comfortable. So so example I thought of when you were talking there would be, if I'm a mechanic, and God has given me this gift of being good at fixing things as a mechanic, of being comfortable that God has placed me in his kingdom as a mechanic. Hmm. I don't have to be a missionary. I don't have to be a pastor. No, I'm good at this. And I work here, and I fix cars, hmm. and I'm going to be honest at it, and I'm going to do good at it, hmm. and I'm perfectly comfortable in that. Hmm. But that takes a maturity level, I think, to get to that point to where you understand, you know, this is the vocation that I'm in that God has given me. Hmm. And I feel completely satisfied in this, and I feel God is satisfied in me mm-hmm. doing this well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it takes a maturity, I think, to get to that mm-hmm. to that level. Yeah, yeah, that can be hard to get to. Yeah, I think one of the things he, he says there is that we we lose ourselves, we lose our our clamor of self will, and that's what we mm-hmm. pray in the Lord's Prayer. The first part is Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Yeah. So God is about not about. Um, God is making us into his children. He's treated, he adopts us as his sons and daughters, and then he conforms us to look more like his, his natural son. So, and part of what it means to be a son of God is to want the will of our father, just like Jesus did. And so, yeah, but he doesn't destroy, he doesn't make you stop being Tim. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make you stop being Matt. He might make you stop being Scott. Probably. <laughs> <I'm sure. Yeah. laughs> no. no, but um, he wants, you know, that's part of the, the wonderful thing is it's not that our, our uniqueness is necessarily destroyed. It's just, it is restored and made new. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one of the wonderful things about our God is he's not, um, he doesn't need us. We don't add anything to him. He's just that good mm-hmm. that he wants to, I'm going to put it this way, but he wants to share the love because mm-hmm. he's just that kind. Um, he's just that good of a God. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually he says there, you, Tim, you brought about being, being uh, comfortable in our own skin. And I think that's a really helpful way to think about what he says eventually here because he says that we want this guy to not 
just enjoy things because he actually just likes them himself. We're talk- not talking about sin, but just mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. And he says, he says, we don't want him to like the sport of cricket or collecting stamps or drinking cocoa. We don't even want him to like any of those things. We just simply want him to do things because he thinks that everyone else thinks he should do those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says here, the man who truly and disinterestedly enjoys any one thing in the world for its own sake and without caring two pence what other people say about it is by that very fact forearmed against some of our subtlest modes of, of attack. You should always try to make the patient abandon the people or food or books he really likes in favor of the best people, the right food, the important books. This is coffee. He just described coffee. <laughs> Nobody drinks coffee the first time and says, this is so good. They doctor it up with sugar and all these sweeteners, and they force themselves to like it. Why? Because of peer pressure to give in to everybody else. Okay. That's what's happening here. Okay. You may lump everybody else in with that. I have no sugar in my Did you start that way? The very first time you drank coffee, did you drink it black and go... This is the this is so good. I'm going to drink ten cups of this a day. <laughs> Whenever I was a child, I spoke like a child. <laughs> oh, nice. hey, I became a man. <laughs> I started drinking coffee thing. black. I know. Hey, it's the peer pressure I'm thing. Not a man yet. I mean, there's, you know, I'm I, also assuming the same with something like a cigarette. You know, <laughs> people who like to smoke cigarettes. I doubt the first time they took yeah. a puff was like, <laughs> "This is great." <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Nope, it was the peer pressure. Right. Well, <laughs> I, you sorry. know what? You can you can think that all you want. Um, Never. You know, be able to examine yourself. Yeah, examine yourself and see whether you in the faith. Uh, um, yeah, but I think that's a that's a helpful thing. I think one of the things too. I don't know um, is just letting yourself be yourself because you're right. We we create all these artificial laws around ourselves that we we try to follow. Yeah. That culture puts upon mm-hmm. us, or even Christian society puts upon us, things that necessarily God hasn't put upon us. So how about this? Like, um, really, what came to my mind was like. Uh, you know, well, God saves us, and we we tell people you need to read the Bible, you need to pray, you need to do these things. But um, thinking about like uh, reading more, like reading Christian books mm-hmm. to grow, right. um, studying, so getting commentaries to study and to do this stuff. I think around this table we'd say that's a good thing. That's a good thing to do. But what about the Christian who doesn't do that? Um, not necessarily because they think it's wrong or anything, but maybe. They're not big readers. They're, that's just, right. they just struggle with that sort of thing. It's not that they don't love the Lord, that they don't want to know Him necessarily. It's just something they struggle with. How would you guys, um, talk to that person? You know, do you just say, that's okay. Don't change because that's just not what you like. Or is it something you would encourage them? Maybe this is something you need to grow into. And so maybe you should set yourself out of your comfort zone some and push yourself in this area. You know, or maybe you guys can think of some other areas in the Christian mm-hmm. walk, you know, to to put as a comparison here. But that but that came to my mind because when we were doing the discipleship thing back when I was doing it, and we had the wheel of mm. like infant in mm-hmm. the faith and child, the question became, how do you know when someone's a mature Christian and you can release them, kind of, to yeah, say, I yeah. think you should disciple other people? Is the criteria mm-hmm. a seminary degree? You know, mm-hmm. do they have to own a concordance now and know how to fully <laughs> use it? You know, what is the thing? And I think that's a good question to ask because yeah. I don't think our faith necessarily is based off of of that. But it is a good thing yeah. to do. Yeah. So I start off by saying if you if you're not if you're not a reader or don't like to read, like there's other avenues that you can get information from and grow. Like there's music, 
There's good music with good words that are golly words that you can learn from. There's podcasts, not yep. to put out a, you know, a, yeah. a feeler for our podcast or whatever. We're but a you means can, of grace. I mean, anybody, yeah. <laughs> seriously, anybody who would hear you say that's already listening. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's very true. But I mean, like you can, you can get a lot of information and grow, uh, theologically that way. Yeah. You know, knowledge, knowledge yeah. wise. I think it's important know. to remember. I mean, we've done on this podcast has been a while now, but just the, the ordinary things that God has commanded the church to do mm-hmm. in worship. I mean, we have to keep in mind that God has ordained certain things for us to do as Christians. God doesn't command us to read, even like we're going through the screw tape letters. If a, if a person doesn't like to read a book like the screw tape letters, it doesn't mean that they're not a Christian. Yes. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's okay. Um, and now if that person would say, man, I just really don't like going to church and listening to the word of God preached, mm-hmm. that's where you probably got a problem, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Like if a person came to me and said, like, I just really don't like reading my Bible, I would encourage them to trudge through it, mm. you know, a little bit because there's something that they will benefit mm. from doing this yeah, over time. Absolutely. But I'm not, I'd, I would hesitate mm. to bind the conscience of a person to read extra biblical books mm. like the screw tape letters or even a commentary, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I would, I would hesitate to do that mm. though. I would encourage them to do it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't encourage a person to be a pastor that didn't like to read mm-hmm. because that's where they're going to get a lot of their training mm-hmm. and a lot of their information mm-hmm. and continued growth. Mm-hmm. But I just, I think that's in my mind, that's kind of what comes up is like, I don't want to bind the conscience of someone mm-hmm. to something that God's word doesn't bind them to mm-hmm. yeah. in that mm-hmm. sense. You know, that's really good. same thing with styles of music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For people like me who const- I mean, constantly analyze myself constantly, it, it's hard because when you hear something like from a, someone you respect or like a pastor and they say something like, I don't know how you can be a good Christian and not have read Bridges' book on this. You know, and you're like, dude, I haven't. I'm yeah. probably not a good Christian. And so yeah, yeah. then you go buy the book and then you read the first chapter. <laughs> you know, you read the first chapter and you're like, oh, I'm not reading any more of this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not life changing. And you're like, yeah. oh man, I'm just not at that level maybe. But, you know, any criticism or any critique doesn't necessarily hurt my feelings. It causes me to think now, am I doing something wrong? Do I need to change something the way I'm, I'm doing it? But it can, it can become very tiring yeah. to wear all the peer pressure stuff. Yeah. And I know um, <clears throat> we can speak to that a lot from the pulpit and other places about, you know, holiness and this is how you do it. But it wasn't too many years ago where, you know, they didn't have that stuff. Christians mm. didn't have that stuff. They went to church. They listened to their pastor mm-hmm, preach mm-hmm. Uh, maybe twice a week or whatever it might be, and then they lived their lives, and there was nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just as good a Christian as yeah. anybody else. Yeah. Um, so something that I try to personally do, it kind of goes with the last one of something that, like, you doing things that you really enjoy. I, I easily fall into this, like, reading books that are important yeah. or things like that, like, I'm constantly uh, confronted with how much I don't know mm-hmm. and how much I wish I did know and how much I wish I did understand about mm-hmm. the things of the Lord. But I've had to like pause at times of my Christian walk and, and uh, just say like, I need to, like I'm reading this book, this book and this book at the same time, just mm-hmm. because I feel like I should be. Mm-hmm. And so like one of the things I personally do is I guard 
the time that I'm not as consistent as I used to be, but I like to read before I go to bed, like laying in bed. And mm-hmm. I, I tried to guard that to read only things that I find enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly fiction mm-hmm. that I'll read like before I go to bed or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. That's just something I do personally to make sure Scott's not just doing this because he feels like he should be, but I'm doing this actually because I want to. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to keep up my, I do love to read. And so I'm normally reading things that like some people would find embarrassing, you know, like Harry <laughs> Potter or something like that, you know, like something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but just something that I actually enjoy. I don't know. I feel like that's relevant. To, right. Sorry. No, I mean, I found those Nicholas Sparks books under your bed. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, why are you I sneaking mean, around my bedroom? I, mean, I, I thought, you know what? That Scott's liberty. <laughs> do whatever he wants to do. You know, um, he's oh, team. God. He's team Jacob. Twilight. Team Jacob. <laughs> those movies are so funny. <laughs> All right. Um, Jelly. So, hey, when you take a pause, is it three weeks? What? When you take a pause from doing all that stuff, is it three weeks? Take a pause. Yeah, you, you mentioned taking. He's a talking pause. about the governor. <laughs> oh, my bad. Straight. If you guys didn't see that, it just went right over. Right over here. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Let's go to letter fourteen. Um, he mentions about repentance and about how we have to keep it up, which is a very good point, actually. By the way, I like the last part of letter thirteen, but let's go on to fourteen here, um, so we can keep moving through it real quick. Um, at the very beginning of letter 14, this is a, a really good letter. He says, um, it's interesting, he opens up this way. My dear Wormwood, the most alarming thing in your last account of the patient is that he is making none of those confident resolutions which marked his original conversion. No more lavish promises of perpetual virtue, I gather. Not even the expectation of an endowment of grace for life, but only a hope for the daily and hourly pittance to meet the daily and hourly temptation. This is very bad. Why does Screwtape see this as the most alarming thing, that this guy is not making any more confident resolutions? Why is that alarming to Screwtape? Because it shows that we're supposed to be dependent on God mm-hmm. right, and only God. Mm. If we're making confident assertions and you know uh committals Mm. those are most often based on you know what we think we can do and achieve Mm. on our own without the help of anyone you know Mm. and even as i'm thinking of like the lord's prayer what is something Mm -hmm. in the lord's prayer that we ask that we're supposed to ask for is our daily bread right and i think that's reflecting of our Mm. daily strength asking for daily strength Mm to get through each day, depending on Him. Mm -hmm. And forgive us of our debts, as we also forgive our our debtors, right? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, like, just continually give us to this daily and hourly. Yeah, There's great wisdom in our life to know our weaknesses, you know, Mm. um, in in all areas of life, in business, in whatever you do, to know know your weakness is actually an advantage to you Mm. um, Mm -hmm. in a competition or whatever. and so we, we need to have these understandings in order to grow, number one, mm-hmm. to know what to need to work on, but number two, just to be ready for attacks from that, mm-hmm. from that area. Right. You know, and so <clears throat> in a sporting thing, if I'm bad at this, I know the people are going to try to attack that. Yeah. So I got to be ready. Right. If I can't get better at it, well, then what am I going to do to solve mm-hmm. this problem? Mm-hmm. Well, in our lives as Christians, we need to know our weaknesses. Mm. And we learn really quickly how weak we are scripturally. <laughs> mm. I mean, we are sinners and all this stuff. And 
when we start to know that about ourselves, we also know that our reliance is upon God mm. who strengthens us mm. so much so that scripture says, I can do all things through Christ mm. who strengthens me. But you have to have an understanding mm. that that's every minute of every day Christ has mm. to strengthen you mm-hmm. and keep strengthening you. Yeah. And, you know, for me to understand, like, I can't take my next breath apart from him. Right. That's his grace in that. Yeah. Anything good that I've ever done is because of him. He's allowed yeah. that to happen. Right. He's that it's not something I've achieved. It's something he's allowed me to achieve or be a part mm-hmm. to be a part of. And so there's this daily walking in this understanding of our, of our weakness that becomes a strength in our life because we are trusting in him. And when we start to lose sight of that, mm-hmm. we start to get weak again, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it's kind of like at that point, he's not our cornerstone. He's not our firm foundation anymore. He's like this past thing mm-hmm. that we've gotten past. Right. We've gone on to bigger and better stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might still be there, mm-hmm. but, you know, and... Uh, well, it's like the gospel 2.0 thing that you kind of mentioned yeah. last <laughs> right. week. Well, yeah. also, it's like, um, how do I know that I'm a Christian? Well, it's not because I know that I believed back then. It's because I'm believing right at this moment. Yeah, I'm still, I'm yeah. still believing. And, I, and I'll and i know tomorrow that I'm a Christian because I'm believing his promise tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. then the day after that, yeah. mm-hmm. it's an act, it's a thing right now. I'm mm-hmm. receiving it right now. Um, There's something to be said about perseverance, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the scripture scriptures speak of that, of how we are to persevere. And we are told to do that, but we know we can't do that apart from God's grace. But it is this active part on our behalf right. to persevere, to go, to go, mm-hmm. to go. And I can only do that with this help of the Holy Spirit, right. right, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it'd be foolish of me to not be thinking about that right, regularly, mm-hmm. right, and relying mm-hmm. on that regularly. And when we do that, like here, right, well, the enemy, screw tape in this case, what I'm talking about, finds that to be very disheartening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Because we know where our strength is lying. In right. That, in that well, and we believe as Christians we're justified, but still sinners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the irony here. We're not justified and then made perfect. We're justified and still messed up people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we're gonna fall. David went really bad, backslid really bad, and actually it was only because the Lord went after and got him that he even repented. Mm-hmm. Remember the Lord sent Nathan, Nathan to him. Yeah. David didn't say, hey, Nathan, can you come? <laughs> no, God, God went and got him. And I think that's one of the things that's really important for us as Christians is just be ready to trudge, mm-hmm. be ready to plod along. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reality is, is you'll make progress as you just plod along and as you keep this daily and hourly dependence upon Christ mm-hmm. and his sacrifice, you will make progress. Um, but be real, but also one of the things I've, I've personally just recently loved reading Ecclesiastes because there's a, there's a realistic view of faith. Mm. It's powerful, but it's, it's just like, let's get down to reality and what things are going to actually look like. Mm. This is what you think. It's kind of like whenever you're getting married, right? And you're, you know, beforehand, maybe you're thinking this is going to be awesome. But then about. It is awesome. I don't know. <laughs> what? What were you going to say next? Okay. <laughs> Okay. That's I, that's what you Take were telling me. Tim was so you know, and then but then afterwards you realize, oh wait, there's some struggles here, <laughs> yeah. right? No, and yeah, it is yeah. good, and you're mm-hmm. really grateful for it, mm-hmm. but you're actually thankful for it in ways you weren't gonna be. You didn't think yeah. you were gonna be thankful yeah. for beforehand, yeah. because it's in the battles of life. Yeah, well, that look you're at it being this refined. way. Uh, like in the olden days when uh, farmers used like a bowl and a and a one. 
Ah, I forget yeah. what it's called. Yeah, to till up the dirt. Yeah, to till up the dirt. Oh, an ox. Like, yeah, yeah, the oxen plot or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's literally doing this row, and he's keeping his eye on this row mm-hmm. so that it's equidistant to the row right. he just did. Right. Eventually, right. down, you know, 24 hours right. later, he has a field plowed. Right. But he's not looking at the whole field. He's right. just looking at this row, and he's right. plotting each mm-hmm. yeah, step. Jesus said, right, <clears throat> if you take the plow and you're looking backwards all the time, you're not worthy to follow me. The Christian life is yeah. one of continually looking to God yeah. and going well, forward. Well, it's like, I mean, the book Pilgrim's Progress, right, right comes to mind. I mean, it's called Progress. Yeah. <laughs> and we keep or going. Progress. Yeah. Progress. <laughs> and, I mean, over and over again. If, if, you read, if you read that book, which I would... I would. If you're a real Christian, yeah, you would probably. read this book. Yeah, <laughs> I would encourage it's bound. I would encourage them to read this I've not book. read it. No, but the reason is how. I mean, honestly, since reading that book, and there's a movie, there's a cartoon out. If you don't want to read the book, it's pretty good. Uh, <clears throat> how often you find your? I find myself like, mm. oh, I'm in the slew of despair right now, mm-hmm. or you know, right. I, I or know going exactly. up the hill difficult. Yeah, I'm yeah. going this, yeah. you know, or right. I'm in this castle right now. It's mm-hmm. this just struggle or whatever. And yeah, it's just, but I, I got to keep moving forward, right? I'm just going to keep making this yep. part in the strength of the Lord, persevering. Right. I'm just going to keep persevering. Yep. And it's that's the Christian walk. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's like, what were you expecting? Um, Okay, let's keep going on here. This is a little bit. I like this part too, where he says, one of the things is, is your 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 patient is actually being humble. Now, the key thing here is to make him realize he's being humble, so that he becomes prideful because he's humble. In his humility, right? In his humility, <laughs> and that's one of the things I'll tell my wife or I'll tell other people. You know, I'm the humblest guy I know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Um, and so, you know, make him, he says right here, you know, uh, help him to smother his pride, make him proud of his attempt, then to smother his pride. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all been there, right? Where Satan just gets you. What you do is you're just navel gazing now. You're looking internally the whole time yeah. at yourself. And you're mm-hmm. just thinking about you the whole time. You never heard that phrase before? It sounds like something that somebody would do that's really weird. I just <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> picturing someone with binoculars looking at ships. <laughs> Naval. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. We should edit that out. Yeah, probably. Yeah, sound yeah, too smart. That out. That out. Okay. <laughs> Let's just act as if we all know what you said. So he says, um, eventually he says, um, you know, but don't 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 take this too far to him because eventually he's going to wake up. He's going to basically just laugh at you and go to bed. One of the things I really liked about this is he highlights the the importance of laughter and humor in the Christian life, and that's something that I think um, I heard uh, Carl Truman, who's a, a professor of historian and everything, and he pointed out that for Luther that was something. You know, Martin Luther was a, was a great person of humor. He laughed at himself. And one of the things that happens is, is we realize that we as humans have so many pretensions, actually, mm-hmm. to thinking that we're so great, when actually we own nothing. We talked about the last podcast. We don't even own our children. I don't own my house, really. I didn't mm-hmm. make myself. I've mm-hmm. not done anything to do. I didn't give myself my talents mm-hmm. and my charming good looks. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You said it so. <laughs> I mean, you know, I didn't do any of those things. And yet, the pretensions like that we have, either. and I'm still going on as if it's true. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you're saying. Press how you said it. Uh, but there's something powerful whenever you laugh at yourself and you realize 
I'm a fool in a lot of ways. One of the things Martin Luther said at the very end of his life, I think he was supposedly on his death, deathbed, he said, we are all beggars. This is true. Because at the very end of the day, we don't bring anything to the table. Um, we just receive everything from God as a gift. We're just beggars. And whenever we start getting prideful about ourselves, we have to remember that passage from 1 Corinthians, what have you received that you that um, was not given to you, right? What do you have that was not given to you? Mm. And also, we have to laugh at ourselves because it's amazing, This really the stupidity of sin, that I can take pride in anything I do is laughable. Mm. Um, anyway. <laughs> no, that's good. Okay, sorry today. That's, okay. It is hard. I mean, <laughs> when you're doing something humble, but then someone comes and tells you right. it's humble, and it hadn't even crossed your mind, then it doesn't right. leave your mind. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. Now how do no. I do this? You know, I know. I'm so <laughs> humble. Can't do that again. Can't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's what, that's what the enemy wants to do to make us always, uh, look at ourselves and always make us think about ourselves. Last of all, screw tape encourages Wormwood, uh, to make the, um, patient become focused upon himself. Um, one of the things he says here is that we want to keep their minds, uh, endlessly revolving on themselves in an effort to achieve the impossible. So keep them circling around themselves all the time. And then eventually he says this, by this virtue in which he's talking about humility, as by all the others, our enemy wants to turn the man's attention away from self to him, to God, and to the man's neighbor's. So humility is not simply hating myself, because that's just me thinking about myself. It's me turning outwardly upon God and upon others. Luther talked about the fact that we're naturally curved in upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the gospel sets us free so that I no longer have to justify myself. Mm. I don't have to justify my actions anymore. I don't have to make excuses for myself anymore, because Christ has answered for all my sins. And I'm able to come clean into the light. So in freedom now, I'm able to love God and love my neighbor um, because I'm not trying to buy salvation anymore. I'm able, I've heard uh, the thing before, right, that God doesn't need my good works anymore, but my neighbor does. Mm. And so I'm able to give myself in love to my neighbor. Mm. And that's what humility does. Mm -hmm. It sets us free mm -hmm. when we realize we're really beggars. Um you guys have been really quiet. I guess you can really barely. No, I was. I thought of a verse, but I wanted to make you sure. You playing that was... game on your phone again? No, <laughs> I found a verse. I'm on the Bible app. It actually asked me, "Do you love the Bible app? How do you answer that? Do you no? love the Bible? App? <laughs> no, I hate the Bible. <laughs> I feel like they're setting you up. He didn't, um, he didn't want to misquote a verse. <laughs> no, I was thinking of a verse, but I, I mean, I don't really know how well in context mm. this is as you were talking about that. But just the idea of, you know, who, well, Jesus says it's in, it's in Matthew 10. I think he does it again mm -hmm. later. But um, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose mm. it, and whoever loses his life for my sake mm. will find it. And there's this sense, I guess, to me, when you're willing to give yourself up for the sake of a, a neighbor, to love your neighbor, right, or to, to give yourself to Christ... The, the irony, I guess, of the Christian life, it's then you find yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we can all attest to that, if you've been a Christian very long, of that when you've actually kind of bow, you bowed yourself to the Lord, and in so doing, you've bowed yourself to your wife or to your kids 
or to the church or to people. Like you've humbled yourself before them to say, I want to, I want to find, I want to give you guys joy through my life. It's not about me. I want to be here for you. I want to love you. That after probably a difficult time of getting to that, you finally get to the point, hopefully, where you realize this actually is the best place to be. Yeah. Of being, it's like Jesus said, he who yeah. loses his life will find it. Right. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. That's what I quoted there in Matthew. Mm-hmm. Right. And just, mm. but it doesn't make sense. And we, we always run away from that. Mm. Even maybe you guys have seen, I know I have, of where mm. I do that well, mm. humbly. <laughs> I do that well, but there's great joy and peace in my life. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden I, whatever it is, get off track and mm. you start to get selfish again. You start to mm. think more about yourself. Maybe it's your own hobbies, your own things. Mm. And those aren't bad things, mm-hmm. but they can become that. And then all of a sudden you don't have that joy and that peace anymore. And you just realize mm-hmm. I'm not doing what God has called me to do here. And so you see the truth of it, you mm-hmm. know, of where, yeah, there really is great peace and loving your neighbor how you mm-hmm. should. And then understanding how to mm-hmm. love yourself well in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's a good indicator that, like that is scriptural, like uh, going to, you know, serving your neighbor, serving others other than yourself is that society right now is telling you that in order to find yourself, you have to look inside. Mm-hmm. And it's completely opposite. Mm-hmm. It's contrary mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what scripture tells mm-hmm. us. And I think that's probably a good indicator. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You said we're being quiet. I've been thinking for like going over these two letters, like I think maybe a word that modern psychology would would use like for some of the things that we're talking about is like a person who is insecure mm. um mm. like those like those are the people that are giving into peer pressure mm-hmm. yeah. giving like reading things just because they feel like they should be reading them afraid to tell the world like i actually enjoy doing this mm. though most people think it's weird um or whatever but i mean like are constantly trying to find the approval of other people mm-hmm. but i mean what we're talking about is like being a Christian kind of solves the problem of insecurity in that your security is not found in who you are mm-hmm. and your value is not given mm-hmm. to you by what other people say about you. It's not mm-hmm. what God says about you mm-hmm. uh, to where, you know, I don't care if I have quirky uh, personality traits mm-hmm. or if I uh, can enjoy reading this book mm-hmm. or this or that. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of like the, the frame I've been thinking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. these things through is just, um, how finding your value and your worth in what God thinks of you and who you are in Christ mm-hmm. kind of solves that problem yeah. to where, like, and it confronts a world today, like Matt was talking about our world today, that is trying to tell you that, like, you have to, like, make everybody think that this is who you are mm-hmm. uh, right. by putting up this facade, mm-hmm. looking a certain way, acting yeah. a certain way. Right. Uh, I don't have the book true. in front of me, but didn't it? It talked about not being overconfident but it also talked about confidence and there there there's a good part of being confident in your skills and in your abilities mm-hmm. where it wasn't like this aspect of right. like I, t- I mentioned being a mechanic before right. where you're a good mechanic and you're good at it right of not being like right ah, i'm not really that right. good you know and then that's you, not humility you belittle that's yourself humility. that's false humility, <laughs> that's humility. Right? but that's part of being comfortable <laughs> in your in yourself again of, right. of saying no i do have some skills in this right like whatever it may be Right. And I need to, I, I shouldn't hide those. I shouldn't hide those things. I felt that way for sure, like in pastoring and getting on teams at the association level or at the state level, which 
really is a big deal or is not a big deal. There's nothing like at first you think that, but then you get in it and it's not that big of a deal. But, <laughs> but I would, I would sit and because of my age and still struggle with that because I can tell because of my age, there's times it feels it's okay to speak and you shouldn't speak. But when it got all boiled down to the end and we make this decision, it's like, I thought of that all along. I mm. should have just spoke up mm. from the beginning, but I didn't have confidence that maybe my, you know, my age held me back or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it might be. And that's, that's sad because there's probably a lot of people within the life of our church who have these skills and these abilities mm-hmm. and these gifts that God has given them. Right. That if they would just have confidence in what God has blessed them with, mm. how it would benefit and bless the whole body. Right. But maybe something is holding them back. Maybe it's this idea of humility. Well, I'm just mm. being humble. No, right. you're being selfish. Mm. That, right. And that, and that right. mind, because you're not, and I'm not talking about singing and like, that can be, that can be it. Sure. I'm just, just anything in general, yeah. right? Of whatever that is that God has, has mm. blessed us with. I, I, I appreciated that being written in there mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. One of the things he says, he gives the example, right? He wants a guy to be able to design the most beautiful cathedral in the world and take satisfaction in it. But he would have been just as satisfied in that if somebody else had designed it as well. Right. That that's what God right. wants. He's not, he's, so he's not focused upon it mm-hmm. because look what I did and I'm so good. He's looking up. Wow. That's beautiful. Right. And, um, and that's a really good determiner. Would I be mm-hmm. just as happy in this if somebody else had done this? Right. Um, and praise God for it. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if I think it's all about me, I'm thinking that I'm the one who produced that talent in me, when actually that's just the Lord who made me. <laughs> right. Right. We, yeah. None of us belongs to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been a good podcast. I appreciate you guys uh Uh, sitting around the table and chatting about it. Um, We hope that um, if you want to, you can read letters 13 and 14 uh, in the Screwtape Letters. Um, It's a great book, and it can be helpful if you're interested in checking that out. Um, If you, uh, uh, you can always check us out on the podcast, or we're doing videos throughout the week um, for sermon stuff and um, all sorts of resources there online. So check us out, and uh, we hope to catch you next time. Thank you so much. Take care. God bless.